0: up on this episode we revisit our summer reading list and this time we've actually read one of the books tonight one summer america 1927 we go deep right now this is up for debate episode number 155 recorded august 8th 2019 summer book club one summer america 1927 Hello, everybody, and welcome to this literature-packed episode of Up for Debate. I'm Sean Jennings, joined, as always, by a man who could easily sit atop a flagpole for upwards of 49 or 50 days. It's Mr. Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt.
1: Hello there, Sean. How are we doing today? I see that you're um, you're, you're in your brand new glasses, for those of you video people at home.
0: Yes, Uh
1: are definitely helping our, our show intro, so that's very good.
0: Well, you know, Matt, and uh, fans of Don't Panic will know, because we talked about this there, uh, these are non-prescription. I have perfect They're vision. No-
1: of course. Yes. Of course. You wear them, like it's like Clark Kent. We can't know your true identity. Yeah, it's like so. Sh-
0: glasses off Sean Jennings, glasses on. Who is that guy? Sexy and Some- good-looking. Some other, some just guy that, Some wow. guy, some less interesting guy. Uh, no, these are actually, I, I won't waste time on this. Uh, these are sleep glasses, if you can believe it or not. What are what are sleep glasses, Sean? You can kind of see, I don't know if you can see on the video version, there's a little bit of a brown tint to them. You can kind of see them when it's over my face a little bit. Um, yeah. The idea is that you wear it right when you get home from work, all the way till when you go to bed, anytime you're looking at TVs or monitors or all the shit that's in front of me right now. And it blocks certain wavelengths from hitting your eyes, and it doesn't strain your eyes, and it's supposed to help you sleep better.
1: Oh, You know how, like your phone
0: automatically changes tones at a certain time of night? Right. I was just thinking that. It's exactly yeah. the same idea, except these glasses are now for anything I look at, and you wear them for a longer period of time. And I got to tell you, Matt, they've made a difference. I genuinely they feel difference. they've made a difference. Yes.
1: So you think you're getting a better sleep? I fall then.
0: asleep better. I have less eye strain. Okay. Yeah.
1: I, where where can I get myself one of these sleep glasses?
0: Ah, right at our our show store, you can visit. We got custom up for debate glasses. Nice. You can just check them out. Um yeah, and I, and by the way, I also have a pair of non-brown tinted but still glare reflective glasses that I wear to work all day. So, I'm a glasses guy now, Matt.
1: Who isn't these days?
0: I know. I mean, We're all staring at all these it.
1: screens. Yeah, you got all these screens and stuff. Everybody should be a
0: glasses guy or gal. Or gal. Indeed. And these were perfect to help me see tonight's book. Yeah, I bet they were.
1: Um, One summer.
0: Now, I hope folks listened. If you haven't already, earlier in the summer, we did our book club episode. Matt and I each brought four books to the show. We discussed the pros and cons of each. We each chose one of the other person's books. Matt, of my list... You chose this book, Bill Bryson's One Summer, America 1927, um, a book I highly recommended. Um, and in a future episode, we'll be doing the book you chose, which I have not read yet, and I'm terrified to start. <laughs> TBD. Um, early thoughts on the book, Matt. Um, what do you think going in? What did you think as you were reading it?
1: So going in, again, this the book is One Summer, um, America in 1927 by uh bill bryson the great bill bryson going in i um i thought i thought basically i thought this i was i was thinking like why why 1927 what what was so special so significant about that one year um what really happened in that year and uh turns out a lot a lot happened in that year uh after reading the whole book um I don't know if I want to get into because those of you you know who haven't read maybe maybe you want to read the book. Um, yeah, we're, we're
0: we're gonna spoil things like who first flew over the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, maybe we'll throw out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh,
1: um, who, who is the babe? In, in, yes, in, spoiler alert <laughs> in chapter eight. So, um, I mean, I, the I guess the the. The cool thing, the, the best thing about the book, if I had to summarize it in just a, a short few sentences, is that it takes the mundane or what seems like just, you know, a regular summer and it breaks down, it breaks down all of the the very just fascinating things that happen. And I think the, the, the key here is not that 1927 was a spectacular or very special year, I think you could probably do this with any year. And I think that's kind of the point. Is like if you if you if you really like look at the summer and, and break it down into like um like our author here did, break it down into May, June, July, August, September, uh and you could take any year and and find spectacular momentous things to write about. And 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 pre- presented in a, in a clear way. Narrative, I think, was the key. That was one of my notes I wrote down. Was narrative and pacing was the key. Yep. What I liked a lot, one of my biggest pros of this book, is the the pacing. And what I mean by that is, when they would they would kind of tease things, and say like, "Well, more about that later on," mm-hmm. and then they would they would follow up on that and i liked that a lot um it 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 kept me interested it kept me uh looking for new things. like they would i think they wrote a bit about i think it was um it was in the first chapter they were talking about uh herbert hoover yeah and they like they like tease him a bit and then but then he comes back later on in like a in much more like substantive way very cool liked it a lot um i liked how every time somebody would come up and it would be it would be um it would be a new, um, ca- it would be like a character in a novel, but these would be like real people. See, I, I knew you were always a Bond villain of all time. You Jesus. got cat. <laughs>
0: you know, the only <laughs> time the like, cat ever bothers me is when we're doing the damn show. And I You're like, like, what's that guy from Inspector Gadget? The Claw. The Claw, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's the new glasses. It's the thing. I got the glasses and I got the annoying cat who won't get off my desk. Hi, guy. Yes, please go away. Um, <laughs> yes, we all love you. Uh, yeah, no, man, I uh, I agree. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think a a book that, you know, it's funny because it doesn't cover a lot, but at the same time it does because it's so in-depth in the short time span that it could feel sporadic. It could feel like it jumps around a lot, and it doesn't because I think it weaves that narrative very clearly and that's kind of what I love about this book is that there's just so much going on, but it doesn't feel overwhelming. And I think that's that's hard to do. It you feel comfortable because the the little mini there, I would argue, for those who've read the book, they know this. But there are a couple like big overarching stories. Lindbergh, I would say, covers quite a bit of the book. Babe Ruth covers quite a bit of a book. But then they also throw in all these sort of little things like, um, you know, the advent of air conditioning in theaters and, and and how people escape the summer that way. And, you know, like I said, the, the pole sitting and little things like that, that, that are literally just two or three paragraphs, but it's just enough to give you a, a view of the story without distracting you from the big stuff. It's a good balance. I agree with you.
1: Yeah, it's not just like, I guess go, going in, I thought maybe it was going to be like a book report you know like we're a kid here this is saw america summer 1927 babe ruth was hitting home runs charles Lindbergh flew over the atlantic ocean herbert hoover was the president the end like yeah. it was it but but instead what you got was it was it would start off talking about Lindbergh, but then it would bounce over to this like cool crime thing that happened in brooklyn and Then it would go back to Lindbergh for a little bit, and then it would talk about this guy who was running like a shady, uh, a shady like business where he would, he would launder money. And, and it was it was just cool that way. It was, um, and it, it, it would not just talk about the event. It actually barely talked about the event at all, if I remember. It was, um, it was more about everything leading up to it and everything that went into, um, what was, you know, the first transatlantic flight from New York to Paris. But instead it would talk about, uh, pretty much the, the entire prologue covered the advent of flight all the way from the Wright brothers, all the way into world war one, um, all along depositing very interesting, uh, very interesting tidbits. Uh, One of the, one of the notes I'd never, never knew about it at all. And I, I think many, many people before reading this book was about the the octane rating in yeah. fuel, and that California fuel was particularly efficient, um, and no one could figure out why. But it was almost like this magic fuel, and that's what gave the Americans truly the they were the only ones that would be able to do this transatlantic flight because European planes would just crash in the middle of the ocean. So, um, but yeah, it was it was little things like that. Little fonts of trivia and information, but presented in a really very readable, intelligible way.
0: And it was was natural flowing, because if I remember correctly, one of our criticisms of Devil in the White City, which is kind of, I would almost argue, similar to this book in a way, but one of the criticisms I know we had for that was it was a bit of whiplash when it would get off topic, because you would be reading about the fair, and then suddenly it would jump to something seemingly largely unrelated, and it would just give you too much backstory into things that weren't important. And this book, I think, does a better job. For example, early in the book, they talk about the, the Ruth snyder Judd Gray murder case that captivated the nation, and it segues so perfectly into the advent of the American tabloid. And it just makes sense that it goes into that, but that was something happening at this time. And so when, when it's a concrete narrative like that, you're allowed to get away with getting off-topic. Because it's interesting, like you said, the Octane thing. It's like, do you really need to know that? No, but it adds flavor to a story that could be very boring.
1: Yeah. Um, another, since you brought up the tabloids, another interesting thing that I that I was thinking about as, as I was reading the book is all of the modern issues that uh, came up. I mean, I just wrote down a few, just modern things that we we encounter in modern day and we think that are i think i guess we think are exclusive to our time period but you know they were dealing with the very same thing in the in the mid-20s i wrote fake news um sensationalist tabloids Mm -hmm. media uh pop culture celebrity um divorce and um i guess that was it but there there was there was just a ton i mean like I guess you could throw hero worship in there of like popular uh, – so I guess that goes along with, with celebrity. But I'd, they, add,
0: I'd, uh, I'd add a wealth inequality as well. You know, sure. the, We always remember it as the Roaring Twenties, but for the vast majority of America, there were some great statistics in how much more rural America was at that time and how poor some of these people were, especially when we talk about the, the Great Flood of 1927 um, and how that impacted – millions and millions, one of the most catastrophic events to ever happen to our country that we never talk about now, but didn't affect the wealthiest. And and the parts of the book that feature on the wealthy, which is a good chunk of it, um, is fascinating in its exuberance. And this was the time when people were getting phones for the first time, getting cars for the first time. Um, Americans lived far better off than the rest of the world, except that they didn't because we focus on those who did rather than those who couldn't.
1: Yeah, that, that, that was a very fascinating part. I'm glad you brought that up about the Great Flood. I, I had never even heard of it. No. Because it's not something that you really see in the
0: textbooks. You but know? this is like what I, you're... this is my favorite type of story, period, full stop. It's why I like Devil in the White City, and it's why I liked our XFL series and the XFL book. I like micro history. Macro history scares the shit out of me. I had a chance in high school to take a European history course and I instead took a US history course because there's just so much goddamn history and you gloss, you know, it's like when we think about this time in America, it's World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, and that's it. it yeah, it, it's true. It's it's a lot of it is um,
1: broad strokes and, and, and kind of, kind of. Get like extreme, extreme history. Like you you take like, you make like general, general. That's the word I'm looking for. Generalisms. You make generalisms all over the place. So.
0: Well, it um, took 400 pages to do one year. And even this you could argue right. isn't comprehensive. Right. So it, it kind of
1: comes into this. Yeah. It comes into this discussion of like, what is history and what makes history, history and who is writing the history and whose history is it? That's very interesting. I mean, it's it's, like they say like history is a bottomless well and i think that this this kind of confirms that you could write about the history of almost anything like you said even one year even one season in one year not even a whole year but like a few months in a year and talk about what happened and why it happened and and when the people affected and very interesting um yeah, I, I'm, I'm very glad I read this book, coming away with a very positive, uh, positive outlook on, um,
0: on the author. I want to read more of his stuff now. Yeah, his other stuff, which I haven't read, but based on the description, is this is sort of his thing. Um, it's very similar to his other stuff. And he has a, a, a new book coming out uh, in October of this year about the human body, which the I think, body. based on his style, could be pretty interesting.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 like the, I just like it. I like his style. I like, like I said before his pacing, I thought was excellent. Um, I, 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 I didn't feel lost or confused in it. Like with the, the, the way that he tells the story, I bet it could very easily go from, uh, smooth to like, Jolty very quickly because it's it's he's talking about all these different people and events and things, but I think he he does a good job where he teases it and he's like, all right, more on that
0: later though. And yeah, that's well, very good. And that's the other thing too is he gives wide context because when you introduce a character in this book, even not a major character who you would have heard of before, they get a whole backstory. Because it'll be like, oh, the third guy... I See, I don't even remember all the names, but it's like the third guy to die trying to fly over the Atlantic was born in eight. You know, it's like... And you get their whole life story, and it adds so much richness and color to the history rather than just a bunch of names on a page. He actually paints... Takes the time to create that context.
1: Yeah. Um, It's... He makes a lot of these characters more... Like the more, definitely more relatable or you could, I mean, I I just love that with the way he wrote about Babe Ruth and the way he wrote about, about Herbert Hoover. That yeah. I guess those are the two that stick out in my mind. It was like, Hoover was this like, just, it seemed like this like Iowan farmer who was very, very smart, like extremely smart and extremely compassionate, but just totally emotionless. And you could just picture somebody like that, um, Babe Ruth just seemed—he just seemed like a total just cartoon character, I guess is the way that I would describe it. Like, uh, do you ever see the movie with John Goodman,
0: where no. he plays Babe
1: Ruth? Which one is that? I, forget, I think it's called Babe, where he—it's John Goodman oh, as ooh, Babe. Yes. Ruth. yes, yes. So I—I I think just the way that the way he wrote, um, Babe Ruth in this book, I just pictured the John Goodman
0: played character the whole time, but. I'm, I'm trying to look. Oh, this I just this is a great quote from the book on Babe Ruth. Um, it said uh, here, As the 1920s progressed, Ruth increasingly stayed at better hotels than the rest of the team at his own expense. There he would hold court to anyone who cared to drop by. Uh, Wait Hoyt once counted 250 visitors to his suite over the course of an evening. Ruth seldom knew who any of the visitors were. At a party in his rooms at the Book Cadillac Hotel in Detroit, Ruth famously stood on a chair and shouted, any woman who doesn't want to fuck can leave now. (laughs) It's like, I love that shit. That's so fantastic.
1: Oh, yeah, that that was Babe Ruth for sure. Um, Yeah, you know, because I guess when you read from since early childhood, you read history books that are all like, who was? Harriet Tubman and it'll give you like little snippets about caricatures They're Yeah. But they, they all blend together. I think especially as you, and as you get older, you still read the narrative and, but you're reading, if you read just the main, the main history books, it's, the narrative it presents is not, not that these are living, breathing people, which they are, which in this book really makes them come to life. Um, you could you could picture hanging out with with this Babe Ruth, this version of him, instead of him just like he's a baseball player who smoked a lot of cigars.
0: And it wasn't sugarcoated, you know. I mean, they talked about yeah. real not only when he was succeeding, but when he was down in his career, when he was vastly overweight, when he got sick, um, and when he had to bounce back.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, it, it, they did the same thing with 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 Lindbergh. Also, they definitely didn't didn't paint a uh, rosy rose-tinted picture of him either. I mean, um, you know, going through, what was it? The, uh, you know, allegations of, of Nazism and things like that. I mean,
0: it's, and that's what's what's really fantastic is, is it took what is essentially a fact, Charles Lindbergh, first to fly across the Atlantic. Everyone knows that more or less. But what it does is it adds the before context of all the other people who tried to do it, the race to get there, him getting the plane and all of that. But it also tells you the story after of him having to deal with being a famous person and deal with the crowds and the reception he got. And as you said, all the bad things that came along with it to 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 tell that whole narrative. I would have read a whole book just on that because it's right. really, really fascinating.
1: The child being kidnapped and all that. Yeah, it was it was very interesting. It was very interesting. Um, I, I felt like it, just about anything. If you were to just pull out any one single chapter, not even a chapter, but like five to ten pages in this book, and you can make it an, – there's an entire movie's worth right there. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that – the first time I was thinking that when reading was – well, I guess during the prologue with the the whole race to cross the Atlantic, the, any, one, any one of those stories would make a fantastic picture. Um, but then you, you, when you get into the Lindbergh story and they're also – What's also going on is the uh, the uh, murder trial of the of this this Brooklyn couple, the Snyder's. the Snyder trial. I thought that would be an awesome movie. Yeah, like like I don't know why the, the Cohen actually, brothers haven't just snatched that up. I think they they made it into a movie back then. They they did, and they they met, they, they made they made two, and one of them went on to be the very first noir film.
0: Right, Double Indemnity.
1: Noir, double Indemnity, that founded the noir genre. But yeah, like. I think, I think it, would, it would be a good movie today. I think the story was exciting enough. It had it had everything you want in a murder trial and a mystery story.
0: It also um, uh, made me learn what a sash weight is. You know, I, 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 I still haven't <laughs> looked that up. What is a sash <laughs> weight? I, I it is,
1: to that according to the
0: internet, a sash window weight is used to counterbalance the weight of a sliding sash in a sash window.
1: That I feel like you use the word in the definition and it, I don't know. I still don't know what a sash weight is. It It's
0: a, essentially a, a, so a sash window is a type of window made of one or more movable panels or sashes to form a frame that holds panes of glass. And what the counterbalance kind of like an elevator right with that counterbalance and the weight keeps the window up. Oh,
1: okay. I see it now. I had. I had they're I'm a visual. They're lead. Learner, so. They're they're quite heavy. I had to. I had to Google it and see for myself. And I see that now. You can okay. buy I, antique I can ones on eBay. Easily, this could very easily kill someone. So I can see how this was used as yeah, the murder five, weapon. Yeah,
0: four or five pounds.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Any really anything. I mean, obviously, all the everything about Babe Ruth and and um, Al Capone. Everything could have been used. It, as a, as a motion picture, just uh, absolutely. I, 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 that's what I was looking at. I was like a director could just read this book and just like take off all of it, all of it, like with a sticky note, all the things like ideas for a movie, boom, 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 boom. Hollywood could produce like 55 movies in this one book. Um, now that being said, I don't think that this book could ever become its own movie.
0: I think it could be a a documentary series. I agree. Fictionally, I don't think you could do it. I think like a Ken Burns version of this, which he, by the way, he did with Prohibition and he did with baseball. So it kind of covers and jazz covers a healthy portion of this book. But something like that would be awesome for this. I agree with you. A fictional movie. No way.
1: I don't think it could be a standalone movie. It absolutely could be a miniseries. It absolutely. I mean, it, it lends itself very well to being a miniseries. But a um, fictional
0: miniseries would be fun where all these characters cross into each other's paths. Each episode yes. is about an individual character, but like in the background of the Lindbergh episode, you see Babe Ruth or, you know, they, they kind of
1: crisscross. And then at the end, they all come together to form the Avengers.
0: I love this because, you know, kids today love <laughs> the 1920s. They need to. I, I mean, we're, we're approaching the 2020s. So a hundred to, years ago.
1: Can you imagine? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and they
0: all thought we'd have flying cars by now. No, nope. no dirigibles. Dirigibles. Um, yeah, that's crazy. You know, it's one of those things where I think in modern times, I don't want to be the guy like, we take stuff for granted, but <laughs> but there is something to be appreciated about. Not that the sheer excitement around the changing times. It reminds me of how when the first iPhone was launched, there was genuine Interest and excitement around a chunk of the population. And that's what was neat about this book was things like the talkies and things like the the, the telephone, the first uh, cross, uh, um, cross-Atlantic telephone call placed by Charles Lindbergh. Things like that, again, I don't want to say we take for granted now, but it is neat seeing it through the eyes of someone who was there then, who said, what wonderful things will come next, Turns out it's the great depression. Womp womp, but <laughs> yeah, and
1: eventually massive, we another, get there. And another world war. And yes.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you know, mm. we do get there. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: I don't know. I don't know what else there's to say about this. This is, this was a great read. So I'll
0: take it. We liked it.
1: Well, I think this was definitely a positive. Um, uh, where would you put it of all the books we've read so far on on a list? I I think for me, I think it's right up there with Console Wars.
0: By the way, did you hear? I was going to send this to you and I didn't. They're finally making the Console Wars documentary series for Hulu. That's right. They are. Yes. I is um is.
1: Who's who's supposed to be in that
0: Rogan Seth Rogan was Rogen. attached Seth Rogen, yes Is I he don't still know attached? Okay. I don't know
1: either way I think it'll still be it'll still be good it'll still be worth watching
0: I think for me it's such a hard choice entertaining it's a hard choice between this book devil in the white city and console wars are all really really excellent books. And that's it's a it's a hard it's like one A one B one C for me they're all right up in there if I had to put one at the very top, uh, boy I'm probably gonna put one one summer at the top, then console wars and then devil in the white city, um as my as my top three.
1: Yeah, I, but I they're would all probably,
0: super close.
1: I would probably agree with you, absolutely. Because console wars um, is
0: really great. Um, I But I like this book because it covers more, but it doesn't feel like it covers more. You get a right. little more for your money out of this one. Yeah. Now, Matt, I do have some complaints about the book. I didn't love everything right. about it. Okay. I would argue he covered too much. I feel like the Things. book could have been... It's, I don't want to say it's a slog to read because it's not unpleasant. It is a long read. And there were times where I'm like, again, all this is cool, but it feels like eight years ago we were talking about Babe Ruth and we've moved on to other, you know, it was like for one summer you could have caught a few of the anecdotes, you know. Um, I guess it's good because you're getting more for your, you know, more bang for your buck, but. Um, oh, see i felt the opposite i enjoyed oh, every, every one of them
1: i yeah I, I i enjoyed every one of the anecdotes that were that was in there i didn't think any of them were i mean there was probably I don't know, maybe one or two spots where i was like i don't okay i don't need to know about i, I think it was when i was was the charles Lindbergh. it was like all about his swedish ancestry yeah going back to like the 1860s it was like Okay. We get it. He, his last name isn't, shouldn't actually be Lindbergh. It should be like Manson or something like that. But, um, I mean, I, I, I liked the other anecdotes. I, I up until that, like since then, I think I, I enjoyed the, um, stories about, uh, about, yeah, Babe Ruth's, uh, party days, raunchy dip party days. I enjoyed the stories about, um, about Herbert Hoover um, rescuing the whole country from that great <laughs> flood. Only only that, that, that was the cool thing is that, you know, what's going to happen next and the whole country's going to turn on him and Hooverville is going well, to, that's, gonna that's all I knew up.
0: about Hoover was like, he yeah. sucked.
1: But then at the, yeah. And at the time, Warren G. Harding was the worst president and, and Hoover looked like a saint and, and, a, and an absolute champion compared to him. But I mean, yeah, it really is funny. It's, it's, I guess the, the he puts you into that context of the, of the time. Um, and, and like you said, showing you the other side of, of, many stories, like Babe Ruth struggling with his weight and with addiction and things like that. Um, and, and things that aren't, aren't really talked about in the public eye. Like it's like he took the standard, like quote unquote history lesson. And he's like, here's what they won't tell you about. Here's what they, here's what they don't show on ESPN 30 for 30. Like here's the other side to it. So,
0: well, and that's, to me, that made it feel more it made me feel uh, more connected to the story because of its transparency. It was written in the voice of the time, but in the words of modern times. and by that I mean a prohibition, I think was a good example in the section on prohibition. I, I'm not an expert in prohibition, right? I loosely know what it is, but to hear it written in a way that really breaks down the origins of it, where it came from, why it happened. I was able to look at that and kind of relate it to modern times more so than what you get in a history book, in a history textbook, or even in a documentary or something like that, because it's written from the perspective of people from people. And to me, that made a lot of the story, like Warren G. Harding, it's maybe a little bit more of the politics type of stuff of it, but it really did relate to like, oh yeah, I could see something like that happening today, which is kind of crazy, but... It just reminds you that history is cyclical and, you know, it's, it's important for us to know about different things, uh, in the past. So I I appreciated getting that aspect from it.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. I I think that's, uh, (laughs) that's all I've got for the notes and, uh, pacing is great. I love the uh, the issues that were brought up. Uh, I guess if I had to if I had to make any any kind of changes to it, maybe maybe be a little bit more representative. I know that the, a lot of the celebrities and the and the famous people back then were like white. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Are you back?
0: Yeah, you cut out for a second there. You were you, right. you were saying the celebrities uh, of the time were. Oh, they were all white men, but for the most part,
1: um, and, and white females to a lesser degree. I, I wish that maybe he had included more of the non-mainstream figures of the day, like maybe like uh, – who was it? Louis Armstrong was around then, wasn't he, That around that time period, something like that?
0: But I did. And you're right. I think more of that content would have really helped because I really enjoyed, enjoyed moments like when talking about the Great Mississippi Flood, mentioning that they had exact counts of how many cows died and how many chickens died to the exact number and no record of how many uh, black people died. Or just people in general. I think they, said it, they said they just didn't have any count of people
1: who had died. And it was because. The majority of them would have been African American, poor and
0: black. Yeah, so, so I, 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 you know, to me that they just
1: weren't counted as in the census in the population.
0: That kind um, of, and I guess you know, or nobody
1: in, went through the effort of counting them like they did with with all the other things that they counted.
0: In in one way, I guess this book is sort of representative of the times in that that's what people of the time were talking about and thinking about, and only when only in few situations would that population pop up in the news and stories and what people were talking about. You're you're reminded of the tragicness of it, only sparingly. Hmm.
1: Um, What other books has this guy have to his name, Bryson?
0: Um, I don't know. I have not read any of them. I've only read this one. I don't remember how I came about this book, to be honest with you
1: yeah, yeah I, w- I was gonna ask you that too. Um,
0: I think um that's a really good question actually. I'm gonna look up when I bought it and what books I bought around there because again this book it really there's a reason I picked it up and recommended it. It really falls into my my uh, style of, of interest in history of these sort of, minor framed I think uh, I recommended dot bomb on the earlier episode as well because I find that narrow time of very late 90s early 2000s technology as an interesting subject and so um, when I'm looking for books to read it usually is covered in um, in a narrow time frame like this believe it or not Matt and this is true and I feel like a lunatic for saying it um, I actually bought this book twice. Oh, I this liked, is one of those for you. I liked it so much that I bought it originally on Kindle, and I liked it so much I said, ooh, this would look really good on my bookshelf. So I bought a paper copy as well.
1: Sean, I, I can't fault you. <laughs> I I am one of those people too. I, I So far I've done that with, let's see, I did it with The Witcher. I, I have the the audio, and I also have the, uh, the set. Because I thought the set would look nice, um, and I did it. I, I did it with the 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 other book that was on my recommended list, the why uh, the sleep, the sleep book. Yes, science of sleep, Dr. Matthew Walker. I loved the audio edition of it so much that I also I bought the Kindle version with notes and a physical copy. Oh boy, he's getting your money. So. That's pretty much every version you can think of, um, that I, that I, they own, I own the science of sleep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I can't fault you for wanting a, to, a book to, to decorate on your shelf. Um, and this is a good, I think this is a good choice. I think it sounds to me like you like the transitional periods of history. Like, um, this one is very transitional cause it's like going, for, you know, going from a world without. Automobiles, telephones, things like that, to a world with all of those things, and then, as you mentioned, the late '90s, very transitional with the with the e- with email and internet workplace, cha- like changing up the the way that we did business and the way that we continue to do business today. Um.
0: Yeah, but those are the fun times in history. Sure. History's boring sure when nothing's changing.
1: Well, everything's changing all the time. That's true. You just got to know where to look.
0: The more you know, uh, actually, history is you and me. I do remember now, after looking it up in my purchase history, why I bought this book. It was recommended to me based on another author I liked, um, John Ronson. Do you know John Ronson? Isn't he from Parks and Rec? <laughs> no, you're thinking of Ron Johnson. Oh, uh, this is no, John Ron, Ronson. Ron Swanson. Ah, yes, uh, oh. Ron Johnson. John Ronson. The the. Uh, is an author who's written a number of really excellent books. Uh, The Psychopath Test is a great one. Talks about uh, what it means to be a psychopath and the idea of he talks to people in insane asylums. It's very interesting. Them, which is him getting involved in extremist groups, and he actually embeds himself. He's the guy who wrote The Men Who Stare at Goats, um, which was turned into that movie. Um, He's sort of a a get-involved sort of investigative journalist type. He's followed real life superhero guys who go out and try and fight crime in the real world. And, um, he just, I think one of his latest is, um, so you've been publicly shamed, which is about people who've done things and been shamed on the internet. And he follows up with them and see what happened to their lives. Uh, he writes really, uh, really fun books. Them is great. And psychopath test is great. I've read both of those, but recommended off of those was this bill Bryson book.
1: Yeah. One of the things you you can buy the, um, Oh, he wrote the Butterfly Effect. I don't know if that's connect. I guess it's not. That was in 2017. Mm. But uh, you can buy a co- the collection. Ron or John Ronson's Adventures with Extraordinary People comes with them, Men Who Stare at Goats, and the
0: Psychopath Test. Oh, that's a great package. Mm. You could do a lot worse than that.
1: Um. Yeah, I would. I would check these books. These look. These actually look very interesting. This might be a uh, a future book club. Yeah pick um i mean i've already so of the of your book club options i read one summer yep i also read dot bomb yep and i also uh i also read the not it, it wasn't the football i'm going to save that one for the fall
0: yes you read the steroids um, one the baseball I read steroids, the, steroids
1: one. the same yeah same author i read um game of shadows yes Not League of Secrets? League of Denial. League of Denial, right. League of Denial. But uh, I'm saving League of Denial for the fall. Um, I read Game of Shadows. I've had had a pretty productive summer, I must say. I've read all these books and still had time to get married and go to Europe. Wow. Go to
0: the Cape? My goodness. you I can't believe we give teachers summers off. What a joke. It's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, and,
1: and, and it was a shortened summer. Did you know that? It like, was a shorter summer for me because they- Just uh, get back to work already. It changed our- Well, I'm already- I'm back, sadly. I Thank mean, we, God. We started a few days ago. I was- I know, I was being way too productive and having way too many adventures, so couldn't contain me.
0: Now, uh, by the way, I bought all the books you recommended and have read none of them. Um, <laughs> because reading is for suckers. Uh, no, I do, I do want to read them. I just genuinely forget they're there. I have Gotham yeah. sitting on my bookshelf. It weighs a goddamn ton. I, I'm, I'm never gonna read it. You bought that that's, a, that's that's also that's a, a book smart because it's on my bookshelf.
1: Book. Yes, I, I'm still in the same place I was when we started the book club, like the very beginning. It's a very, it's, it's probably the most intimidating book I own. It, it's like a law book. It's, it's upsetting huge. Yeah. I could not
0: believe the Amazon package when it came. And I was like, what is, cause I had ordered a bunch of other stuff. I'm like, what is in this? And it's like, Jesus Christ. It's, <laughs> you could just, it's upsetting. You, it, I could cry. If it falls on my cat, it'd kill him. It, it
1: probably would.
0: Ways a ton. Um, and there's
1: the sequel that is just as long.
0: So I got to ask you, Matt, since we yeah. have some time to kill, cause we just love this book so much. We didn't have much to say, um, of, uh, dot bomb and, uh, Game of Shadows, um, which did you prefer? What did you think of those?
1: Very much of the two, I very well, if oh If you included all three, I would I easily one summary chance out of both of them. I but agree with that. I very much liked Game of Shadows more. I actually didn't really care for Dot Bomb at all. That's fine. Um,. I I didn't like anybody that was in it. That was the that mm, was, there was the no problems. one to root for. There was no one to root for. As a matter of fact, I was kind of rooting there, it, I actually found myself rooting for the company to <laughs> fail at one point. Good news, and it does. <laughs> it does. And I didn't I didn't like the main the main CEO. And I actually I Googled a lot of these people afterwards. Um I did like a where are they now kind of thing. And it turns out that I guess the CEO of this company, this value America. It, he writes like these right wing conspiracy books. Oh yeah. Now. He's a goddamn lunatic.
0: <laughs> it's great. I didn't, he's that, like a that bad was, dude. That was
1: a surprise. And then on a sadder note, it was a surprise that the, the author passed away back in 2013 or 20 yep. 2007, maybe of, of brain cancer. So that was sad. I was, I, I was, I was kind of like, but when I finished the book, I was, I mean, I was, first of all, I was glad it was done because the whole the whole thing about the book was I was I was just I knew I knew the ending I knew that the company was going to fail and it was going to go up in flames and I guess the the moment it does wasn't as spectacular as I had built it up in my head yep I was going in like like this was the big short I thought it was going to be more like the big short but yep. it, instead it was like the author wasn't really I don't think he was bad mouthing he it was very it was very like back and forth because in one chapter he would like the working for the company yeah he was optimistic and then he wasn't it. yeah and, yeah his his opinion of it like fluctuated and that was jarring and I just I didn't there was nobody to root for there was nobody that I liked everybody was a mess there was the one guy that kept threatening to resign and then didn't resign never resigned but except for the very end. Um, there was the, the CEO who was batshit crazy and nobody seemed to realize it, um, until the very end.
0: But you know, all of these things, and I, I don't disagree with your position at all, by the way, but I am going to give you a different view on it, which is that the sort of frenetic back and forth of, I love it. I hate it. The sort of, um, lost mindness of it was that time period. This wasn't the only company that was happening at, where one day you could come in and be a millionaire, and the next day you could be worth nothing. On uh, one day where it looks like you're going to run out of money, and then an investor comes in, and all of a sudden you're the biggest thing since sliced bread. Uber just announced in one quarter they lost $5 billion. I mean, this industry is insane, the tech industry. And that's kind of what I liked about it, was it it was a good look It it was really personal for the author. It was written through his point of view, and I think that I've read a lot of books from about this time period, and I love that it was through his eyes because you got a feeling, uh, it did feel like whiplash, but I also felt that's what he was feeling at the time. It it is weird to read in a book because it's not normally like that, Um, so I get where you're coming from, but that was one thing I appreciated was that he didn't hold back, he didn't write it with a narrative where it's like it's build, 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 crash, it was more realistic where it's like these companies they don't explode they just slowly die off
1: yeah maybe maybe that that wasn't what i was ready ready for i wasn't ready for the slow death i thought yep. it was just going to be like a crash and burn and we'll get a couple chapters of like grown men screaming at each other in a in a corporate boardroom but yep. no that happens at the end like the last couple pages but up until then it like it's 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 it kept it kept going in waves where it was like oh okay it looks like they're gonna be okay and oh no then now uh our deal with up or fedex is, is 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 gone we can't do that anymore now stocks are are devalued and things are going bad oh but wait this this deal with amazon could save us and um yeah i, I didn't i guess i didn't like the jarring aspect yep. of it I i'm could, with you i could see the 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 appreciation though for it being a very genuine story it seemed like it was really told from this, this uh, PR. It was PR, right? Was he the, yeah. That was his, essentially his job title. It was his account and things that he saw uh, going on. Uh, I, and I had never heard of the Value America story. I no. had heard of Value
0: America before I started no, reading it. It makes so. you think how many companies were out there at that time that you've never heard of. They yeah. never even got a chance to be spectacular and then crash. The, you know, the, the book, the, the way you describe the ending reminds me a lot of uh, The Smartest Men in the Room, which is the, the book on Enron, uh, which I don't know if you've read it. Excellent, excellent book. Um, but what amazed me was everyone thinks Enron, this company, they did a bunch of shady shit and then they went bankrupt, right? Well, the thing is, they go bankrupt only about two thirds, three quarters of the way through the book. A lot of shit happened after they declared bankruptcy. Like, again, a business doesn't just stop.
1: Right. It's weeks of
0: frantically trying to save it. It's what are we going to do? Is someone going to buy us? Are they not going to buy us? It doesn't just explode. It slowly dies out. And I was surprised when I read that book because I thought I knew that part of the story. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait, they're bankrupt and there's like 60 pages left. What's there (laughs) left for them to do? And there's a whole piece of the story nobody talks about. And I do like that um, when you can kind of be surprised by how things end like that.
1: Yeah. I just added that to my uh, my reading list. My reading list is ever growing.
0: Oh, that's a great. That honestly, I'm a big fan. I've read that one a couple times. Um It's yeah. very, very well written. And there's a great. Um, they did a documentary based on the book. That's also very good. Okay. Um, with the same name.
1: Switching over to the, um, I guess, to the other book, uh, Game of Shadows. The Game of Shadows. I I like that book, but man. Harry Bonds was a jerk. Yeah. Wow. There's a reason yeah, people guy, didn't like him. <laughs> talk about a villain. That guy is the villain of that book. And and that that kind of surprised me because I thought that the um I thought that the story there was going to be more sympathetic to him. I don't know why I thought that. I th- I thought it was going to be more about Maybe he was a victim of the situation because I guess I guess that's because that's the popular narrative, right? You know, the story that we see on ESPN is that you know he um, he was one of the first, not not the definitely not the first player to get popped with steroids, very much not at all, but the first big player that this this called into question everything he had done in his entire baseball career. This put an asterisk literally on on everything that yep. he had accomplished, and the and I remember wh- I remember when the these events were happening, in the late nineties early two thousands, and I remember the ball with the giant asterisk on it that's still in in Cooperstown today. I remember they they ran a, a documentary Bonds on Bonds, um, which was right I think the year that Barry Bonds retired or was mm-hmm. his last year, and it was like it covered his like swan song in a San Francisco Giants uniform through his last last year of professional ba- baseball. Um, and it was very, very sympathetic to him. It was he, it was showing him getting emotional, crying. How could the the fans... They're, like, I have these loyal fans that have been with me from the very beginning, and they're all turning on me. They think I'm a bad guy. All I was doing was trying to make them happy by hitting home runs. This book totally the opposite what a jerk yep to everyone to his coaches his teammates his, his even even his dad and his girlfriends slash oh yeah slash wives what he just to the, the press just everybody he is just they they go the opposite way he is the least sympathetic character of all but it was also it was I I like the, now I like this this book in reverse I like the earlier parts of it much more where they're talking about Balco Labs, um, the founding and the, uh, kind of the this like brick and mortar steroid business that they had going on yeah, um, and and just the scene the like the athletic scene where it was it was kind of like it started as like a don't ask don't tell kind of situation and then morphed into. Well, it, once they once they were able to track it on drug tests, then they had to keep coming up with different drugs. Well, yeah, drugs the science behind it, the, the
0: message boards, and
1: all that, and the the coding. I, I think I I liked the I enjoyed the book the most all the way up until Balco Labs got busted, mm-hmm. and then there was still about almost eighty ninety pages left, and not that the book was unreadable from that point. I think it just got worse because then it was just talking about what a shithead Barry Bonds is. <laughs> from that point on yeah but um and and his eventual how we know how how his career ended but um it's a it's
0: a nicely told story of the investigation which i like i mean the, the guy who wrote it is an investigative reporter uh and so and you can really tell because it tracks the story as if you were a detective and starting with the clues and eventually building up um to the case. I mean, it really was a real investigation, but I like that. Uh, I like that narrative. I think the book covers it well.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's another fun fact, I Googled a bunch of names on, on this, this one too. Um, the, the main investigator, the main, um, uh, FDA mm-hmm. agent in the story, uh, forgetting his name right now, but he, um, he is now the president, Of the UFC fighting, the fighting, fighting entity. Ultimate fighting, yes. Yeah. So, um, so that was cool. Um, Yeah, it was. It was a good read. I can't wait to read um, League of League of Denial. League of Denial. We're gonna get
0: that right one of these times. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think if you like this book, League of Denial is better than Game of Shadows. So if you liked Game of Shadows, um, it's written again. That sort of mixing the sort of technical investigation with the personal stories of the players and such Uh league of denial does that, but better. So I, I think you're really going to like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, it's, it's one of those cool. I, I love reading about situations that happened as, you know, cause I remember, I remembered like, when I remember the Balco investigation, I remember the uh, testimonies before Congress when when MLB was going before Congress. I remember the the backlash against bonds, um, the potential suspensions, and I, it's it was just funny to to read how lax the MLB's policy really was on um, on steroids in the very beginning. I think it was, and it, it, when it when the studies came out and showed that over twenty percent of players were were you, using steroids, which doesn't seem like a big number but that they mentioned in the book that's like two team loads of players um juicing yep uh, and then their response is just like well, okay, so they'll be suspended for like a couple games and and then the, they can play again and it's like okay well look like it's a like a like they argued with an, they got in a fight a clubhouse brawl or something like that but um. I guess it, it really was that uh that it was seen as, as so benign back then. Um But yeah, anything else about any of these three books?
0: No, but again, it's just a it's just a remi- you know, that's kind of you know, Dan Miller, mutual friend. Friend of the show. Friend a good friend of the show. Somehow's mm-hmm. never been on, but still a great friend of the show. Um talked me into buying a book years ago called Debt. And it was the history of debt going all the way back to Cavemen, all the way to present. The history of what debt is, what debt means to us as a people, not just monetary debt, but all kinds of debt. It was a thick book. I friggin' hated it. I hated it. Way too much in there. I don't like big history. It's like I would never read a book about the history of steroids dating back to the Stone Age when... Bull, I don't like that. Barry Bonds, as a window into steroid use, is a good book. That's what I like to read. So if anyone out there has recommendations for books that fall into this, again, I would love to, instead of reading all of debt, tell me a book just about the uh, stock market crash of, well, pick one of the stock market crashes. There have been many. Um, like, that's specific. You can get to big issues through specific issues. That's what I like to read. So if anyone has... Books like that that just cover narrow things, please recommend them because that's that's my jam. And that's what I think a lot of the books we've looked at have done. Console wars is a good example of that. Um the Devil in the White City is a good example of that. So Yeah. You
1: you need those history books that have a lot a lot of different things, but but a narrative that can weave them and and put them all together yep. and and make it make it riveting. Have you have you read The Big Short? The I book? have
0: not. I have not
1: okay i hear I, I it's very good i want to recommend that to you okay i thought that the narrative was it, it reads just like the movie i guess is what i'm trying to say i i enjoyed the hell out of the movie and the book and um i still probably don't understand fully what what happened but i think i get it i i understand it more thanks to thanks to reading the book um and i think you would like it because it, it does that i think it does just just what we're talking about where it kind of things are happening and going on but it it'll go back and explain things in a in a better way.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to do more book clubs cuz we've got so many books to get through. We do. My I, goodness. my list
1: is always growing, but for now you've got uh, I've got Haruki some homework. Murakami uh, to read. What was I thinking? Uh, that was um the the Wind-Up Bird Chronicle is the is the book that you chose Sean from my list. What a fool I am. Uh, the Wind-Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami. I got it.
0: It's on my bookshelf.
1: Japanese modern surrealist author.
0: I I literally, I got it in the Amazon thing and I opened it and I kind of just like opened it to a random page and started reading. And I was like, no, 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 no,
1: Somehow that, that makes sense for that book though. I mean, I, I think you'll, you'll understand what I mean when you're reading it. You could just do that. You could just open it up to any page. And, and that, that that would somehow be a, a, probably a way that Murakami would encourage you to read it, I, I give, would guess. But.
0: I promise to you and to everyone listening, I will give it an honest – I will not joke <laughs> around about it. I will give it an honest shot. I've done that with every book we've read. The Witcher I was scared of before we went into it, and I ended up enjoying it. So I'm going to give it a fair shot, and we will discuss it.
1: And aren't you glad you read The Witcher? Because the upcoming Netflix series. That's right.
0: And I was also going to mention that we talked on the last Book Club episode. The fourth book I picked was Horns. And the movie version starring Daniel Radcliffe just went up on Netflix. Wow. If you'd like to check it out. It's fine. I want to read the book. Should I read the book first? Yes, read the book first.
1: Read the book first. Okay, because that's the only book on that list, I believe, that I don't own yet. I have, um, let's see, check my, my Kindle well, yeah, you've app.
0: already told me you've read the other three, so...
1: Right, but there was one more, I think, that, that I, I just, have. Did I... Did you suggest... Um, no, no, you didn't suggest The Rise and Fall of American Growth. That wasn't you.
0: No, no, that was not um,
1: me. No, I guess that was it, yeah. League of Denial, Game of Shadows, Dot yep. Bomb, and... Yep. One Summer. Yes, yeah, so that's the only one I don't have yet, and I'm going to get it and read it um, probably next, now that I'm done with One Summer. Uh, oh, no, no, I, I, that was the one I wanted to wait for, like, fall. And, right. like, oh, no, in. don't rush. So maybe, yeah, maybe the next one for me will be League of Denial. Matter of fact, I'll download that now. Yeah. So I'll read that. Little, I've got
0: I've got so many books I haven't read. It's uh, If anyone wants to come read my books for me, Let me know. It would save me a lot of time. Are are you paying? Um, You can come on the show. Normally we charge people for that, but we'll let you do that for free. You heard it here first, folks. That's right. Accepting all challengers. Um, Matt, we're going to wrap it up here. I -hmm. hope folks enjoyed this wonderful book club episode. Um, We will be back at some point in the future to discuss your book, Matt. Uh, But until then, we're going to wrap it up here. Remember our website, UpForDebate.tv. You can go there and get all the episodes past, present, and future. We'll be right there. You can also click the subscribe button and learn everywhere. You can get the show on all the major apps, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, and on Spotify now, which is great. Uh, You can also contact us, UpForDebateTV at gmail.com is the email, or tweet at us at UpForDebateTV on Twitter. Um, We'll be back next time with more thrilling discussion. Until then, he's Matt, I'm Sean. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time on another Up for Debate.